And some of you, if not most of you, have good voices that you can use for God. Why not join us? Because um, the leadership is, has been praying that we can form, especially acquire, not necessarily for every Sunday, but perhaps once a month, and especially with Christmas coming up very soon. We want to form a choir so that we can invite more people, also lost people, so that they can see that we're not only preaching the word of God, but we are also singing those hymns, beautiful hymns, that lift up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need those people in our midst. We need singing. And we, we know that God has blessed this church with people with beautiful voices. So, in essence, as we have seen in chapter 11 and also a major part of chapter 12, we see that God wants us to not only settle in this place, in this community, but when we settle in this community, he wants us to serve, to serve in this community. He doesn't want us to be bench warmers. He wants us to be starters in the game. He wants us to be role players, active players in the game so that we can spread the gospel much better. Secondly, it's not only people who would settle and serve in the most needed places. We need also people to have positive and joyful attitude. Have you encountered a person who is always grumpy even though he says that he's a Christian? Like Eeyore, remember Eeyore of Winnie the Pooh, right? Everything, everything that comes into his life, whether that's good or bad, he's always grumpy. He always thinks negatively. Of course, we do not advocate being positive thinking just for the sake of being positive thinkers. We think about positive thinking in the Word of God, positive thinking in your thoughts, because the Bible says in Philippians 8, our thoughts should be honorable, lovely, admirable, and pleasing unto the Lord. And Paul said, think on these things. Think about those things that are positive. And a positive attitude can only be a positive attitude if that brings joy into our hearts. So let's take a look at verse 27. Here in 27 to 43, we see the dedication of the wall. And this dedication of the wall that they found in 52 days is a great testament to the people of Israel that this was a picture of their positivity, joyfulness in their attitude. Do I say positivity? Because remember, in the past few chapters, Nehemiah and the people of Israel were opposed by the strangers and the foreigners in Israel. They were constantly insulted and mocked. And people around them would say, even a fox that will climb that wall will destroy that wall that you're building. And the enemies of God try to harm their leader, Nehemiah. But in all those things that happened, God was still with them, and Nehemiah remained positive that he will be able to finish the rebuilding of the wall. We must think of and we mean cast all pessimism and negativity out of our minds. So in verse 27, the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, 
they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness. Take note, gladness, that's joy. Both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals. When we gladness and positive attitude, we sing the hymns, the songs that pertain to the Lord. We may use the, the piano or any kind of instrument, the tambourine, that we can use to praise the Lord. And, you know, can I give you an advice? When you are depressed or you're discouraged, even if you don't have a beautiful voice, sing to the Lord. That's what David did in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a book of songs, hymns to the Lord. When you're discouraged, just sing to the Lord. And when you're singing, you know that after that, God will give you the joy that you desire. Because sometimes when we are in conflict, when we are challenged, what do we do? We go binging on watching television. Or someone said a while ago this morning, you can eat lots of ice cream as much as you can in order to distract yourself from those problems and issues in your life. And those things you binge watch you eat ice cream and whatever your comfort food is what happens after you indulge yourself in those things you're gone all those all those happiness that you have and fun will vanish it's temporary but when you sing to the lord just like what nehemiah told us in nehemiah chapter 9 verse 10 the joy of the lord is our strength when we sing to the lord he gives us a joy and that gives us strength in the face of conflict and that's what we need to do i'm not saying we don't have fun sometimes we thought that we nation we are we're just in songs solemnly you don't enjoy we enjoy but we enjoy things in the lord the Lord is always with us when we enjoy things in our life. And the only thing that we can do in order to have that positivity is to memorize verses. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This week, I want you to keep memorizing Philippians 4, 8. It's easy to memorize. If you can memorize the dialogues or the conversation in your favorite TV shows, you can memorize just one verse. And this will matter. This will change your life. Philippians 4.8. So let's read it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Aren't those the positive things that God wants us to think about, to meditate? Think about those things. When you experience problems, think about the true things. What is true? What, is, what does God tell you about his promises? What are the truth of God regarding your issue in life? What is honest or honorable? What is just? clean, lovely, or admirable, what is of good report. 
So those things that we need to think about, especially this coming week. We need to cast all pessimism and negativity out of our minds. Replace them with positive thoughts about God. A joyful attitude that is based upon the word of God will always lead us to what kind of life? Righteous and fruitful life. Because if our walk with God is always based and founded on his word, that will result into a obedient, righteous, and fruitful life in God's eyes. So let's continue with Nehemiah chapter 12. In verse 28, the Bible says, The sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem, and from the villages of Nethopathy, also from the house of Gilgal, and out of the fields of Geba and Ashmabeth. For the singers had built them, them villages round about Jerusalem. So those who are singers, those who are gifted, they resettled also in Jerusalem because they knew that God wanted them to be wanted them to be used by Him in this city Jerusalem and to aid the people in bringing back the worship of God. In verse thirty, the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. As they dedicate the wall to the Lord, they think that they need also to be purified. The purification or the cleansing in the Old Testament is completely, completely different from the way we purify or cleanse ourselves. During that time, they literally and physically cleanse themselves. They take a bath even before their worship service. They really clean themselves completely. But for us, it's not necessarily physical purification, but more of spiritual cleansing or purification. And how do we do that? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, after the service, after the sermon, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Time for us to ask cleansing from the Lord, to prepare our hearts as we partake of the elements. Because the Lord's Supper is an ordinance that we need to take seriously. Many in the Corinth, among the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 11, according to Paul, were getting sick physically. And some of, our, some of them are dying. Why? Because they are taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. They don't take the Lord's something that is very important in the eyes of God. Remember, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, of the elements in the Lord's Supper, we are commemorating the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And also, we are proclaiming that he will be coming back a second time. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's why we need to be serious. We cannot just go to the Lord's Supper and be full of sin in our life and unrighteousness in our life and say, okay, it's just a tradition. It's just a customary thing that we do every first Sunday of the month, we should treat the Lord's Supper as sacred as possible. Not because of the elements. The elements are not sacred, but the commemoration is so sacred. We remember the Passover lamb, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be purified, just like the Levites and the priests. We need to be cleansed. Not only during the Lord's Supper time, but even before we come to the worship service. 
Have you been preparing yourself even the night before? That I'm going to come to the house of the Lord, fellow God, I need to be right with Him. But of course, it's not only limited to when you come to the worship service on Sunday morning. Every day of the week, every moment of our life, you should be cleansing and asking cleansing from the Lord God Himself. Because we are all sinners. No one is perfect yet. We still commit sins as Christians. So we still need to be purified. Going on in verse 31. Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall, appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. So in essence, Nehemiah brought two teams. One team is going from the right hand, the other one is going to the left hand. So there is system, there is an orderly worship. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians also that God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. Because in the Corinthian uh, church, many people are just doing service or worship their own way. They do not follow a system or a pattern. Just like in some denominations, when they have their worship service, what do they do? They just speak. Everybody just speak and no one is listening. Everybody's just probably singing, dancing, and there's no, there's no more um, system or order. But God wants order in his, in his church. That's why Nehemiah here ordered the worship of God's people. That's why we have an order of worship also in our worship services. We have leaders, we have the singers, the song leaders, and so on and so forth. And when we have a certain kind of ministry, we organize, we make plans. God wants us to make plans, and he orders all our steps. We need a joyful attitude and a positive attitude as we go about making this church and making each one of us strong in the strength of God. Lastly, in verses 44 to 47, we see here the need for everyone to be faithful and consistent. And that is important in organizing worship. We need to be faithful and consistent in our duty. So verse 44, at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures for the offerings, for the first fruits and for the tithes to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law for the priests and Levites. That they were like custodians, they guard. They, they are like our greeters and ushers in the church. And these people were in charge of all the money or the offerings that are going into the temple. So again, we see the system here, the order in worship. And these people, day in and day out, when they have their temple service, are always faithful and consistent in their duty. They do not need to be told, okay, this Saturday, of course, they do it on Saturday, Saturday because it's their Sabbath. Okay, this Saturday, We'll be doing this. They don't need to be coached. They know their duty and they are consistent in their duty. The same with all of us. If you know your part 
in this church, in this community of believers, then no one should be telling you what to do. You may need, you may need some direction and advice, but if you know your role in this community, then you need to be faithful and consistent in carrying out that duty. Now in verse 45 and 46, both the singers and the porters kept the word of their God and the word of the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So aside from the greeters and the ushers, there were people involved in the worship proper. And these people know their part again. They were consistent and faithful in singing for the Lord. They know their part. They know their role. Let me ask you, if you are part of this community of believers, do you know your role? Do you know your duties? And the second question is, are you faithful? Are you consistent in carrying out those duties? Do you need to be always told that duty to be faithful and consistent? Or are you doing your, for, of your own volition to say, Lord, I'm doing it for you. I don't need to be told by my pastor or by anybody else, but I'm doing my part. I know my role. Remember, we are like a team, a team of people. Whether that will be in sports or other, other kinds of institutions, we are a team. We work together. It is not enough that one person will be doing all the work. We need to help each other out. Because the church is not just one person. Remember the word church is ecclesia. And, it, and ecclesia means a called out assembly. And assembly is not one person. An, an assembly is a group of people that get together. And you know what? In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, starting with verses 41 to 47, those thousands of people, what as an assembly, daily, perhaps from Sunday until the next Saturday, their Sabbath, they get together in houses. And what were they doing every day? They were preaching and teaching the word of God. They were praying. They were celebrating the Lord's Supper. And they were enjoying their lunch and dinner together. There's so much fellowship. But nowadays, in the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where there should be more fellowship, not fellowship just about food, but fellowship to encourage another to be serving the Lord, there's not much people coming into the fellowships. Sometimes we, God's people, just become church goers or church attenders. Do you want to be branded like that? As a church goer, as a church attender? Or are you a church or a God worshiper? And that means you don't go only on Sundays, but all throughout the week, you get together with one or two Christians, if you are able, and fellowship with them. Sing praises to the Lord. And spread the good news to other people. That's what they did in Acts chapter 2. And for us to have a real revival, it's not enough for us to just go here and assemble on Sunday morning. It's only about an hour or so. 
And after that, the rest of the week, our thoughts are filled with the things of the world. So what do you think will happen to our life as Christians? What do you think or who do you think will influence us if most of our thoughts are filled with the worldly ways, with the worldly lifestyle? Of course, it's the world that will be influencing us. But if all throughout the week, our minds and thoughts are filled with the things of God, either by attending services on Sunday and having fellowship with believers all throughout the week, then we know that we can throw all those garbage out that comes from the world and take in the things that matter into our life as Christians. That's why I encourage you, all throughout the week, if you are available, either in the morning, afternoon, or evening, just get together with one or two Christians. Share the goodness of God to those people. It's not necessarily with me or with, with a big group. It could be with one or two people. Share with one another and be an encouragement. Uh, yesterday, in our, in our Bible study at home, we have this um, Singaporean uh, Chinese guy who's our neighbor, um, who's really desiring fellowship. He cannot go out that much because he has some um, ankylosing spondylitis and he has also diabetes, so many other health issues. So he would prefer to attend just Bible studies in, uh, near our, in, our, in our place or somewhere in our community. So he said, he talks about fellowship. And you know what he said? I want to have fellowship because I want to be encouraged. And that's the, one of the important purposes of fellowship, to be encouraged. Who is encouraging you all the week? I know that God is encouraging us, but we need people. We need people to encourage us also. And if the people that you are around with all throughout the week are lost people, unbelievers, can you derive encouragement from them? Of course not. Actually, when you talk to them, you can only hear complaints Gas prices are up again. Commodities are uh, expensive right now and everything else. But if you get together with a Christian with a positive and joyful attitude, then you will be lifted up. And this encouragement is not just transient or temporary. It will be a lasting encouragement. I meet up with Brother Elmer every Tuesday afternoon. And you know, just getting together with a brother, a dear brother in Christ at least once a week is a great encouragement also to me. I don't meet with some other pastors because some other pastors that I would like to meet up with are all who also in their ministries. But getting together with another brother or sister, then that will give you encouragement, especially to our young here, those who are students in our midst. You need encouragement. And encouragement is better in person. Of course, some people, I can have fellowship with you, but that's just text. That's not the way it is in the Bible. In the Bible, fellowship is in person meeting up with other people. I encourage you to do that, just like what the people in the book of Acts did. That's the only way we can faithfully and consistently carry out our duties as God's people. Now in verse 47, all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel 
in the days of Nehemiah, gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion. And they sanctified the things unto the Levites, and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. So it's not only the priests, the Levites, but all the other people were faithfully supporting the leaders in the temple. Because they know that these leaders, the priests and the Levites, they do not have secular jobs. Their jobs during the time is usually farming. But the Levites and the, the, the priests, they cannot do farming anymore because they are busy serving in the house of God. So how can they provide for their families? Remember, those Levites and priests, they have families. They're not single people. They're not celibates. They have families. They need to provide for their families. So God instituted and commanded his own people, the ordinary citizens, to provide for the priests and the Levites. And if you are not one of the leaders of the church, God wants to use you also. Not only to support the leaders of our church in terms of finances, that's probably one of the best things that we need to think about. Support the leaders through prayers. Because as we have learned perhaps in the, in the Sunday school this morning, God's people, especially God's leaders, are often targeted by the enemy. Because if the leader is affected, if the leader is discouraged, all the people in the church will also be discouraged. Because who will be encouraging the people if not the leaders? So pray for your leaders. Pray for me, pray for Brother Elmer, pray for Brother Ryan, our two sons, and pray for the men in our congregation. Because these are the leaders of this church. Pray for them and support them all in any way that you can. So in summary, this is what we've learned. Three things that are essential for us to have a strong church, a strong nation. First, we need dedicated servant leaders. I always emphasize servant leaders because the leaders of the world are different from the leaders of Christ's church. The leaders of the world says, I'm your dictator, I'm your CEO, or I'm your COO, or whatever OO there, and I'm going to command you what you need to do. And I'll just stand here, supervise you. But the servant leaders in Christ church is completely different. The servant leaders are the ones putting up the chairs, setting up the sound system, doing everything as they can, preaching and teaching the word of God and reaching out to the lost people. And they're not the ones dictating they're the ones telling people, how can I How can I help in your time of need? How can I pray for you? Servant leaders. The greatest example of a servant leader is our Lord Jesus Christ. Before the cross, after a dinner with his own people, he stooped down, got a basin full of water and a towel and wiped the feet of all his disciples. Judas Iscariot, the very person who's going to betray him several hours after. 
Can you imagine the King of Kings and Lords humbling himself before all of us? And of course, the ultimate example of his servanthood is when he died on the cross for our sins. That's why the Lord's Supper is not a light matter. It's a serious matter that we need to talk about. Indeed, on the cross for all of us. Secondly, we need a positive and joyful attitude. I've discussed that length already, and a joyful attitude is so important to make us strong. And lastly, faithfulness and consistency is important. We need to remain consistent and faithful and loyal to our Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have laid down to us at least three of these essential elements for us to be strong individual Christians, a strong church, and a resolve that will come out into a strong nation. I pray, Lord, for our leaders, the leaders in the church, leaders also in our nation. Even though our leader is not a believer in God, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to him and that you will convert him and that you will allow him, O oh Lord, to bow down before you and to be dedicated to you and to your people. We as your people also would want to become joyful and positive in our attitudes. Despite what we're experiencing right now, the storms, the calamities, the crime rate increasing, the, the prices of all commodities rising, oh Lord, we can still be joyful and positive because we are not here in this world permanently. We'll be living in heaven permanently, oh Lord. So help us, oh Lord, to look always unto Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. And lastly, we want to be faithful and consistent in carrying out our duties. Whatever responsibility you have given us in this church, oh Lord, help us, Lord, to remain faithful, to be trustworthy, to be reliable in carrying out the duty, and to be consistent in the way that we live our life as Christians so that people can see the difference in our life and that can be a door opener for us to tell them about our Savior.